You are listening to the Some Good Content Podcast, a swipe file of proven content plays shared by some of the most successful content marketers out there doing the work. I'm John Benini, and I'm your host. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the SGC Pod. Really excited today to welcome Steph Donnelly, Head of Content and Communications at Zapier, one of my favorite content and anything, content case studies, um, content publication. I think Zapier is has one of the best publications on the web and definitely a source of inspiration for me over the years. So it's great to have you here, Steph, and uh, also an SGC member. So there's yes. there's been a lot more of these where I have guests on and they're also members as well. So it's uh, it's great to have you on. Thanks and hey SGC community. <laughs> yeah, come on the pod. Yeah, if you if you have a great story to tell, reach out to me and uh, shoot me a DM and we'll, and we'll get you on here. Um, but yeah, Steph is coming on today to talk about uh, several plays that have really paid off uh, for the Zapier blog over the last six to twelve months. But we're gonna start with the two basic general questions right off the bat. And this one's probably super obvious, not just to Steph, but everybody listening as well. But what's the most impactful channel uh, for Zapier in terms of in terms of marketing? Definitely uh, the Zapier blog. Um, it's worth noting that Zapier doesn't have a sales team, so our content does a lot of work for us, and the blog is our main driver of traffic. Right. So marketing and content is sales. Essentially, I could mm-hmm. I could uh, I can empathize there. And what's what's the most impactful distribution channel for for the blog? The blog, uh, 82.5, I believe is what I checked recently, percent of our traffic to the blog is from organic search. So we are real big on organic search when it comes to the Zapier blog. And so I think you also included 2 million page views per month just to the blog Mm -hmm. alone? Yeah, the blog gets 2 million page views per month from 1.5 million unique visitors per month. Wow. Okay. And 82%... 80, almost, yeah, 82 and a half percent of total traffic is organic. I think that's close. I, like, I think I checked ours recently, Databox. I think it was 79% or 80%. And I remember thinking, like, when it was around, like, 63 to 65, I was like, wow, this is awesome. And then when it got up to, like, 80, I was like, is this still good? <laughs> like, you almost start to think, is this too mu- Is this too high? But then I saw you wrote 82.5, and I'm like, okay, yeah. I mean, it's such a, that's so crazy. 82.5% of total traffic to Zapier is organic. Um, I mean, that's the sign of a healthy, healthy program, content program for sure, and a well-optimized website. So yeah, yeah, we want to. I mean, of course, we want to start to like increase traffic from other channels that we've controlled, like you know, coming from social, coming from email. But you know, we're pretty happy with where we stand on organic search. Um, like last year, we had 30 million page views to the blog, um, and so we were really pleased with that, especially during a year where so much has changed and like it seemed like a historic moment was happening every single week. Right, right. Yeah, for sure. Um, anyways, really, I mean, it makes sense. Zapier is, is one of the, I think, best organic, um, really, case studies out there for content. So 82.5% of total traffic. That's that's amazing. 2 million page views per month, 1.5 million unique. Uh, hell of a benchmark for the rest of us to, to follow uh, for all those of us listening. Um, but Steph is going to share, as I said, three plays that have really paid off over the last 6 to 12 months. The first one where you, you, you mentioned how you how the team strategically writes about topics across three buckets. So why don't you tell us about that and how that's how that's paid off, why that works? Yeah, for sure. Let me uh, let me take a step back real quick, just because um, for those of you who are 
a little less familiar with Zapier's content journey, Zapier has been um, very invested in content from the very beginning. So when Zapier was a much younger company, we saw how powerful organic search could be. And we are an automation tool that has 3,000 integrations. So it made sense at the time to create all of these different landing pages for every single app combination you could think of. And those were great for ranking in search, but they didn't really build a relationship with our audience. So that was when we started the Zapier blog. And the content on the blog is kind of relevant to what the product does. You know, maybe you're not trying to connect like, uh, like Gmail to Slack or anything like that right now, but chances are you you do want to learn how to be more productive. And so we wrote about productivity, we wrote about how people could use apps at work, um, and we basically brought ourselves into a broader discussion about how people could become more productive at work. And at the time, we also wrote about what we knew, um, which was remote work, because at the time, we were one of just a handful of companies who were 100% remote. And so in addition to write about, writing about how to be productive at work, we talked about how we did things remotely, how we built camaraderie, how we did team things, like, you know, stuff like that. And so last year, um, when the shelter-in-place orders were announced in the U.S., we kind of found ourselves at the right place at the right time because uh, last uh, in March of 2020 through April, we saw a 78% spike in our traffic and it was specifically to our remote work content which is an area that like we wrote about but it wasn't um you know it wasn't the thing that was really driving a whole lot of like activations or like signups for zapier or anything like that we were just seeing like the spike in interest in like how to use zoom how to use google hangouts um so what we did at the time was we really pivoted we decided to get all hands on deck um you know, we invested resources to create more educational content around remote work to help people through a stressful transition. So we did um, a webinar on what to do if you were suddenly remote. We created over 50 pieces of content on like how to onboard someone remotely, how to be a remote manager, how to be a better remote employee, um, everything, every possible angle you could think of. And we tried as much as possible to repurpose content and link between our, um, our remote work content just to keep people um, you know, reading our stuff. And so after that 78% traffic spike in March and April, it's, you know, it's definitely, our traffic has normalized since then, but we're seeing more traffic than when we started, which is what got us to that 2 million page views per month. So people may have discovered us during the pandemic, but they've stayed with us because we built their trust around content around then. Right. So I love, I mean, there's so many parts of this that are interesting. The, the first one being that you kind of zoomed out a little bit from that really specific, here's tool, you know, the best apps, the best tools, um, like you said, best note-taking apps, best whiteboard apps, things like that. And you zoomed out a little bit more to be like, okay, people that are using apps like that are doing so why? Because they want to be more productive. They want to get some of their time back. They're working remotely, trying to improve communication. So why don't we write more about those topics, um, which is going to introduce you to a wider audience. I probably also much ha- harder keyword uh, volume, but again, Zapier, <laughs> Zapier's built built up some some nice uh, equity over the years that I'm sure helps you rank for for just about anything. So I I really like that play and how you, I mean it's it's also like, it's also like, it kind of reminds me of like how when it comes to copy everybody talks about write about uh, benefits over features. This is not quite the same thing, 
but you're not writing about the apps and the tools and you know or exclusively just writing about the apps and the tools anymore but you're backing it up a little bit and talking more about the whole problem or challenge or uh, job that someone's trying to do at a higher level to begin with and yeah at some point that's obviously going to relate to having to use a CRM app or a note-taking app and automate something. So I love how you're trying to be a part of the broader discussion. And then obviously, yeah, it sounds like, I hate to say right place, right time, right? Because COVID is awful. Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. So definitely right. not right place, right time, but the the changes in the uh, that happened over the last year in the workplace, um, obviously the content you were creating was, was helping people, you know, helping to support people through those changes. So yeah. Um, yeah, a lot of interesting uh, things to dig into there. So, um, but r- super interesting, great play. Um, and so, are you still writing the best apps posts, or did is, is that kind of not in the in the strategy anymore? And you've kind of exclusively moved to write about bigger bigger ideas. No, so we still definitely invest in best apps. So we um, we more we're more in updating mode. So we have we have several that are our biggest traffic drivers. And so, you know, we strategically prioritize like fifty or sixty to update every single year. And those are really different from what many people would expect. We actually test every single app. So they are not tied to our partnerships or the business in that way. We actually like they're purely editorially driven. We basically test everything. We judge things based on a variety of like factors. And then we, we choose the best based on those things. So we really build a lot of trust with the audience because, you know, we, we know what we're talking about. We have tried everything. And based on what somebody who could be using these apps is looking for, this is what we recommend. So we really take a kind of more service journalism, um, approach to those, to those particular articles. Good link building opportunities too, because in those bigger picture posts, when you're mentioning, specific tactics or specific tools, right? Good, good opportunity mm-hmm. to link to those posts. Um, love that play. Very interesting. Second play you shared was more about how you organize your teams and how you've organized them so that you're not just asking one team to work on all types of content. So quality doesn't dip. So tell us more about that. Yeah, sure. I'll, I'm happy to talk about the structure of our content team. So we have a team that handles our Zapier blog and our content marketing. Um, and they are a team that owns their own roadmap. So they do not um, take requests from the rest of the organization. They are more in like a leadership position and proactive in driving their campaigns, uh, their eBooks, their, you know, their articles, so on and so forth. Um, and I have a separate team called Content Services, and that is a team of copywriters and content specialists. And they take requests for things like um, content for email nurture campaigns, landing page copy, like you name it, anything like that from um, what we call our marketing programs team, which is kind of like more of our demand gen side, um, as well as our product marketing team um, and our partnerships teams. And so the reason that they are split at Zapier is because the goals of content marketing and oftentimes like demand gen marketing, sometimes they're not always aligned. Um, And so I like to keep them separate because when you have a content marketing team that has to juggle between their own initiatives as well as helping out the rest of the org. Um, I've noticed that our initiatives and like our, our editorial calendar drop in priority every single time. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's really difficult to find a model that appropriately services all those needs and advances their own 
um, agenda. So, you know, so part of the reason that they're separate as well is just so that they can they can stay focused, although they work really closely together to make sure that there's no overlap or duplicate work. Right, right. I also like how you have you have a separate team that's content services. Because <laughs> I've always said like marketing and specifically content teams almost become an agency for the rest of the company, right? Does mm-hmm. that team does that team rotate or like, um, or is that just, you know, uh, specific people are on that team and, you know, uh, like basically can you move within teams like internally if, if, if folks want, wanted to? You could. I haven't had any requests to do that lately because um, the folks who are on content services, they love working on a variety sure, of different yeah. projects, which that, is why yeah. they thrive in the role. But they do they are embedded in different teams. So we have one person who's deeply embedded in like our growth marketing somebody who's embedded in like marketing for our customers um, and a third person who's embedded in our partner marketing, just so that they're really clear on the voice, the audience and the types of content formats that work for that particular audience too. And I don't think I asked you this yet, but how big is the team? Like how many writers do you have? So on our content services team, we have three writers, one editor and one team manager who is the strategist. On our blog team, we have two editors, we have two writers, and we work with a variety of freelancers and paid contributors for our content. Right. So not massive, right? I mean, especially for a company like Zapier, right? You would expect, um, I feel like that some of the most impressive companies always have smaller teams than you would expect. Buffer, I had the same. I had Ash on this podcast, and they're a small team, um, smaller. And uh, I don't know, I guess like, when you when you saw like the, the the types of things that HubSpot was doing several years ago and how big their team was, you kind of assumed that to put out a big output like that and to drive a lot of traffic, you had to have a massive team. But I love hearing stories where it's like, no, we have a handful of writers and we work with a few freelancers, and but um, you're getting a massive result from it. So um, like like to add another one to that list: Zapier, Zapier and Buffer and, and other ones for for those of us out there that have smaller teams and are trying to trying to achieve big numbers. Um, last play. Super interesting, and one that I'm sure many people can empathize with. You were focused on, or at least for for a long time, Zapier was focused on top of funnel pieces, focused on driving traffic, increasing organic traffic. So you really focused on building out more mid-funnel content, like a mid-funnel library. So tell us about what that consisted of, and then any results maybe that uh, that drove. Yeah, I mentioned earlier that Folks were coming to the Zapier blog for that top of funnel content. So those were the best apps lit, like lit roundups that right. we just talked about, as well as productivity articles. But we were seeing high exit rates. Um, the other thing that we kind of noticed is, you know, there's people that come to us for these recommendations for apps, but there is a mindset gap between someone coming to us for a recommendation for an app and then maybe starting to think about automation as the solution to their problems. We had pretty much nothing in our mid-funnel content library um, that was focused on educating someone, just giving them the like instruction manual if you wanted to read that before you set up a Zap or set up an automation. So we wanted to inspire people to think differently and figure out a way where our product could help them. And our users are really into self-education. So part of the goal was to give them something that had some non-intrusive call to actions. So what we did was we created a mid-funnel library on our blog. We created a lot lot of articles about 
how to use automation to solve this problem or that problem. And what we did was we paired it with a widget that we embedded into the article itself that basically told you how to set up this app with that app. And, you know, there was a little button that you could push that says, use this zap. Um, and it helped you really see, oh, here, just, you know, visually, like here is, here is a solution to the problem. Um, here's something that I could turn on immediately and just start using this zap, you know, or, you know, if you weren't a user, you would be pushed to sign up for a Zapier account, authorize those two apps and set it up immediately. But one of the things that we really wanted was to make automation approachable, make it seem easy and make it seem like a really, you know, natural solution to a problem. And this was going to start introducing that concept and that mindset to people. And so, you know, we found that it was um, a really, it was a really high performing strategy for us. You know, since implementing those widgets and growing our mid funnel content, um, we saw over 400% increase in our signups and 400% increase in people who turned on a zap immediately after reading that article. That's amazing. And the part, one of the things I love about this most, and I'm going to walk through an example real quick that uh, Steph shared with us, a link to a post, was that oftentimes you think um, bottom of funnel or mid of fun, mid, mid of, middle of the funnel content requires creating a new asset. Oh, we have to think, uh, is it PDFs? Is it webinars? Is it a course? Is it an email series? And what I like about what you did was you said, no, no, like we just have to draw a better connection to the product and the content that we create. It doesn't mean like, um, making them basically all sales pitches, but basically what I'm looking at here is a blog post that Steph shared. That is the title is four ways to fight work burnout with automation. And so the post is about, you know, work burnout and how to, you know, how you can leverage automation to do that. Um, and it has tips around in like different sections of the post around setting your schedule, giving yourself a break, including lunch breaks, short breaks in between taking your vacation time, um, sections on setting boundaries um, and things like that. And so these are very topical, very general topics that most of us could relate to. But then in the post, like you're mentioning, Steph, you have zaps that could help you do some of those things. So for example, um, in the set your schedule section of the post, there's a few zaps listed. One for set a Slack status on an automatic daily schedule, right? So if you have blocks um, where you're trying to get deep work done, you can set a, a status in Slack automatically by using that zap. And literally there's a button that says, use this zap. And you click on that and it, like you said, you have to have a, a, a free account, but then that allows you to set that zap automatically. And I love how you thought more about, let's leverage our existing asset, the blog, the content that we create every day, and just draw a closer connection to the product but not in like a super, it's a balance. Cause you're not, like I said, these blog posts aren't like sales pitches, um, but there's like a natural flow to them and a natural, um, it just like the CTAs and the zaps that you've embedded in this post feel so natural. Um, yeah, yeah, and, absolutely. We never want anything to feel like an outright ad. You know, right. once you're once you're real deep with the product, if you want like a step by step tutorial, we have that kind of content. But, you know, we really wanted to find a balance between building a relationship and building trust with our readers right. while starting to move them a little bit closer to automation and the Zapier product. Right. So anyways, yeah, for for those listening, like 
And, and for me too, like this is a good reminder for me because oftentimes when you think about, all right, how do we improve signups? A lot of people go to different new assets. All right, we got to launch an ebook. We have to maybe launch a new webinar series that can get more people to convert. Um, and what you did here, while not easy, because these templated zaps, I'm sure, took you know uh, required a decent engineering effort. Um, but you leverage the existing asset that you're already investing in, uh, the blog. So I, I really like how that's a good case study for everyone else. Is like maybe you just need to draw a closer connection in the content you're already creating, and maybe introduce some way um, to tie in your product or service more more closely to the content you're, that you're already creating. So I love that as an example. And 400% increase in signups, you said, right? Mm-hmm. So that we looked at that in February, and that was in comparison to February 2020. Wow. Now, keep in mind, the 400% increase in signups and people setting up a zap, that is compared to the fact that we had nothing <laughs> in our library. Still, I mean. <laughs> so you know, I'm sure that that number will look a little less crazy as the months go on. But, um, you know, it, it, we were happy to see just double the page views um, over the past year alone. Um, to this content. And so it's it's really pointed out to us that, hey, this is working and people like this. Still, yeah, still 400%, even coming from nothing, like that's that that's still impressive. If it was 100%, you'd be like, oh, you know, we were coming from nothing. 400% in signups and 400% in people actually setting up zaps, so activations, that's, that's super impressive. That's a big result, um, especially from content. Big win for content everywhere, right? You can get... You can drive bottom of funnel engagement from blog posts, <laughs> right? And, and this and this is how. Um, that was great. Steph, these were great. Um, I'm speaking for myself, this gives me a lot of inspiration. So I'm sure others feel the same way as well. And, and it was great to, to hear just some of Zapier's strategy. Like I said, I've been a fanboy of Zapier for, for many years. So it's good to hear uh, uh, a little bit of a peek behind the strategy to the content. Thank you so much for coming on and, and sharing everything that you did. Yeah, thank you. This was so much fun.